Okay, good evening, everyone. It is great to see your faces. I am, uh, I am celebrating with you that um, restrictions have been eased a little bit this week. I, I do hope and pray that uh, that facilitates some encouragement in friendships and community for you in, in the ways that you are able to, uh, to safely and responsibly uh, live, into these, live into these things. We do have a few more people than we have been able to have a pass in the room. I'm really glad uh, for that. Love you guys. A um, couple of things. Let's, can we just give some like? Can we give some snaps to the band because they're crushing it? Uh, really appreciate. Really appreciate our worship team. Uh, really excited about quads. I think we have about 60 people signed up for quads. That's unreal. So if you haven't done that and you want to do it tonight, I really would encourage that. Great chances to be connecting with people that aren't or already in your circle. And uh, thank you for the prayer tank team. You know who you are for for being behind and making that happen. Uh, and then the, kind of the other big question that you have uh, is about Dolph. And I think that um, something about a covert clandestine something afterwards or before, there's actually a wetsuit underneath. That's all I know. Um, I, I, really am, I really am thankful to have a chance to, to open God's word together uh, because, because we need it. And we're continuing this series in the book of James. And we've been talking about sort of the question of what is, what is true religion in the midst of a season of trials and testing? Uh, and we're doing that because this is, this is a season of trials and testing. And, of course, you guys know more than I all the ways that, as WNL students, you're experiencing that um, right now, this week, this, this semester. Uh, lots of difficult things going on. Uh, on top of just the, the complexity of, of human life and relationships, we, we talked last week about wisdom. About this uh, idea of being able to, to see clearly what the world is really like. And the, the ability to understand the best way to act in it and then the strength of conviction to, to do so. And, and today we're, tonight we're turning to what is really the, really the crux of the book of James. And as I'll say later, what's really, the, what's really the crux of the Christian life, which is friendship with God. Friendship with God. So with that in mind, uh, let's look at the passages from James 4, verses 1 to 12. It's going to be up on your screen. James 4.1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Are you dis- or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before God, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is God's word. It's absolutely true. And our Father gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll get into it. 
Father in heaven, I am grateful for a chance to see these faces in, in this room and on this screen. And I'm reminded of the ways that you are providing for us uh, in the midst of the tests and trials each week. Please meet us tonight. Give us what we need from you and from your word tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be at work through this word right now in us so that we might know you and love you more and love each other. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, my car started acting really strange. Uh, the, the check engine light would, would turn on, and then it would turn off, and then it would turn on and turn off. And then it got a, a little worse to where the, the ESP light would come on. And I'm thinking, like, my car can read my thoughts. It, it actually stands for Electronic Stability program or something according to Google and uh, what would happen is that my car was revving so low that it was like wobbling and shaking the car and I would press down the gas and and nothing would happen like it wouldn't rev it wouldn't move forward it was just an idle all the time so I took it to a sort of tire and oil change place and it was there for about a week and after a week they told me you know we, we can't do this so I took it to a, a real mechanic and it's been at the real mechanic now for like two weeks this has been sort of good news and bad news the, the, the good news is that I'm borrowing a friend's pickup truck and I feel cool all the time. The, the bad news is that my car is still not fixed because every time I call every couple days and the mechanic, whenever they turn the car on, it works fine. And so I'm in this weird position where I really need my car to be working less well so that it can be fixed. And, and I'm telling them on the phone, like, hey, I know it acts like it's, I know it's starting, I know it acts like it's well, but on the inside, uh, it's sick. On the inside, it's actually broken, even though you can't tell on the surface just from just from starting it. Uh, I, I said that we're talking about our friendship with God. What, where James is going to start tonight is with this idea that although it may look like our life and our faith is going well on the inside, because of something inside of us, we're actually sick and we're actually broken and actually has profound uh, impact on our friendship, on our relationship with God. And so what I want to look at tonight is, is three things here. First, the, the obstacle to our friendship with God. Second, the occasion for our friendship with God, and then third, the invitation, okay? The, the obstacle, the occasion, and the invitation. So first, the, the obstacle to our friendship with God. And, and James begins this, uh, this, this section in, in chapter 4 with a description of a person who he says uh, has friendship with the world. They're a friend of the world. And it's really important because James loves to contrast two things. He's been doing that all throughout. We talked about, you know, true religion and false religion. We talked about living faith versus empty words. We talked about wisdom from above versus wisdom that is earthly. And so the contrast for this passage that we're looking at tonight is friendship with the world versus friendship with God. And James is saying these are mutually exclusive. You cannot have both. You have to choose one. This, this makes me think of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying that you cannot serve two masters, for you will love the one and despise the other. It's when he says you cannot love God and money. James says you can be friends with God or you can be friends with the world. And, and I'll just say a, a quick note here about, about friendship in the Bible. It's, it's not a super common term in terms of our relationship with God, but it is one of the words used to describe the, the intimacy and the connection and the companionship that we have with God. Abraham was called a friend of God. Jesus tells his disciples towards the end of his ministry, he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. For everything the Father has revealed to me, I have made known to you. And here we hear about friendship with the world. And, and you notice friendship with God isn't here, but it's the backdrop. If, if you're friends with the world, you're enemies of God. Then if you are enemies with the world, you are friends of God. And, and the, the point of this is that this term friendship is not sort of a casual buddy, pal, road trip, like acquaintance. 
It's actually a term of intimacy and communion and allegiance and loyalty and togetherness. That's really what this word friendship means. And there is a major obstacle to our friendship with God. And verse 1 says this, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Your passions are at war within you. We, we've talked in the past about uh, this earthly wisdom last week that is sort of defined by selfish ambition and envy. These are these selfish desires. These are these passions that are at work within us. Here's what he says. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. The, the problem is that in our, in our hearts, we're actually yearning for our own desires, our own satisfaction. Instead of yearning for God and for his ways in the world. And James goes on to say that this actually really specifically impacts our relationship with God. He says, you don't get because you don't ask. That when we get caught up in pursuing our own selfish desires, we forget to ask God. We forget to pray because we're not thinking about anything but ourselves. And then he says, and if, you, and if you ask, you don't get because you ask wrongly. Meaning, sometimes we might think to pray, but the thing we're praying for is really just the continuation of our, of our selfish desires. We, we want to get what we want right now, and if we don't, you better watch out. James even says uh, kind of how big this problem is. He says this, this kind of a bizarre verse, verse 5, he says, he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. And, and, and from everything I've read about this passage, that he is not God, that's, that's me, that's you, that's us. The idea that he, humans, that we have the spirit of jealousy in us that our hearts are deceitful and they long for things that they shouldn't long for, that we're always striving for things that we cannot obtain and it's frustrating that we're so overcome by our selfishness, okay? We're overcome, we're overrun with envy and greed and every selfish desire, okay? That, that's the obstacle to friendship with God. It's this problem under the hood of our lives and faith that we follow after our own selfish desires, okay? And, and the good news comes now in, in the second point tonight, the occasion for our friendship with God. And by, by occasion, I mean... The, the reason for the season, the, the thing behind our friendship with God that makes it, that makes it happen. And, and I want you to hear this if you hear one thing tonight. The occasion for friendship with God is this, God's grace for sinners like you and like me. The occasion for our friendship with God is his grace for you and for me. When, when you read through James in one sitting or when if you've been coming to RUF, you've been hearing chapters of James, sections of James each week, it's, it's just a really difficult book to read because it's constantly hitting us with these different ways that we struggle with sin and brokenness. We've been talking about how our, our lives don't match up to our stated convictions, that we're, we're not really doers of the word, we're just hearers. We've talked about how our faith is empty in shallow words. We've talked about how the things that we say with our, the say, the say with our mouth, instead of being used for good and love, are used to harm and destruct ourselves and the people around us. We've talked about how instead of following God's ways and his wisdom, that we follow after selfish ambition and envy. Uh, it's a really convicting book. It's a really difficult book. And, and James, I actually think he's okay with us feeling that because he's going to get to verse 6 where he says, all of this is true, but God's grace is more. God's grace is is more, he gives more grace. This is, this is the hinge of the book of James. He gives more grace. This is the hinge of the Christian life. He gives more grace. You're actually pretty messed up. 
You're actually maybe worse off than you want to admit. You're actually following your own desires instead of God's ways in so many aspects of our life that we probably don't even realize it. We're probably numb to it to some degree. And that as much as we blow it, as much as we fall short, as much as we mess up, God's grace is more. His mercy is more. His forgiveness is more. His love is more. His friendship is more. It outweighs the sin and the darkness that tends to rule our life, as as bad as that stuff is, that God's grace is more. And when we turn to him, when we follow him, in spite of all these things, what we've done, we're welcomed and embraced and befriended by God. We're going to close tonight in a few minutes with one of my favorite worship songs, the chorus of which is, uh, Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. If someone asks you, what, what is James about? Like, how would you summarize this book of James? I think that's a pretty good summary. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And if you're on this call tonight, or you're in this room and you're not a Christian, and you're wondering, like, what is the deal with this whole Christianity thing? Like, how would I sum that up? I think you could say, our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. His grace is more. I want to I go ahead into the last point tonight, which is the the invitation to friendship with God. And the, the word invitation has become really important to me and really meaningful to me in my own life and walk with Jesus in the past few years. That I think the way that I would describe the posture of Jesus towards me, the posture of Jesus towards his people, not, not who he is, but his posture, his attitude towards us is invitation. And by that, I mean that he actually wants for us to come to him He welcomes us to come to him so that we might experience the delight and peace of being his friend. That's his posture. He actually wants us to come to him so that we might experience the delight and peace of being his friend. And and I want you to consider that for just a minute. I want you to consider that, that Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world, the one through whom all things were made, the one who laid down his life on the cross, the one who is the son of God who knows every hair on your head, every uh, deceitful part of your heart, every hateful word you've ever spoken, every lustful act you've ever committed. He knows everything. That one wants you to come to him so that you might experience the delight and peace of being his friend. Isn't that incredible? He invites us into friendship with him. In, in verses 7 to 10, they they describe what this looked like. You know, every, every invitation to a party has instructions for how to get in, right? This is, this is the instructions for the invitation to the party of friendship with Jesus. I'm going I'm to read these few verses again from 7 to 10. You can just listen. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Mourn and weep. Cleanse yourselves. Humble yourself. That's the description of our posture towards God when we're in, when we're in right relationship with him. His posture is invitation. Our posture is humility. And humility is a thing we talk about a lot. What, what humility is is a reorientation away from our own selfish desires towards following God's and his desires. That's all humility means. It's that reorientation away from our desires towards following God 
and his desires. And, and it requires this. First, it requires resisting the devil, which sounds pretty intense, but it means that part of this is a fight. It's a tooth and nail clawing on, like through the dirt under barbed wire fences against temptation and against our own selfish desires. That's, that's, that's part of what it means to humble ourselves. Uh, this, the second thing is drawing near to God. Is there a, is there a better, better Bible verse than James 4, 8? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's good news for us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. Then there's this kind of weird verse about being wretched and weeping and mourning. And, and here's what I think is going on. As we draw near to God and as we behold his goodness and his holiness and his purity and his power, we start to see ourselves more clearly. And part of what we see is kind of what we've been talking about in the first point that we're not, we're not doing that great. Part of what we see is the, the kind of depth of the depravity and the darkness and the sin in our lives and in our hearts. And when he says, like, don't laugh anymore, James is not like anti-laughter. He's saying the things that you used to run after when you followed your selfish desires, once you start knowing Jesus, those things are not funny anymore. In fact, they're going to make you cry. In fact, they're going to break your heart. And I, and I know that many of you, some of you, I've, I've experienced this while sitting with you, ha, ha, have this experience of feeling the weight of your sin and brokenness to such, a, to such an extent that it breaks your heart. And I want you to know that Jesus is with you in that moment. And I want to remind you that the context of that is the occasion for friendship with God, which is that his grace is more. His grace is more. Paul, Paul says it in, in Romans 5.20. He says, but as sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Our sins are many, and it is heartbreaking, but his grace is more. His mercy is, is more. And when we submit ourselves to God, when we, when we draw near in humility, verse 10 says that he will exalt us, that his grace lifts us up as we enjoy friendship with the one who was lifted up from the grave and exalted, the one who is given the name above all name, the name by which every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We're lifted up with him. We're connected with, we're befriended by the one who's been lifted up. And I, and I don't know about you, but if you were like me, that the past six or seven months of, of COVID and everything else going on in the world has been so stressful and so straining and so confusing that I find myself tempted to, to try to give myself sort of a free pass with some of my selfish desires. Like the world is crazy right now, so it's, it's probably okay if I dot, dot, dot. And the thing that I want to encourage and remind you is, is that God's grace is more than enough for you today. And his invitation for you to, to change your way of following after your selfish desires to following him is for you today in seasons of testing and trials, which is, which is the context of the book of James. It's not for tomorrow. It's not for after the semester. It's not for after you get a job. It's not for after you find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's now. He invites you to come to him, to draw near to him now. He actually longs for you to experience closeness with him so that you can know the delight and the peace of being his friend. Uh, a, a, a couple of things by way of application but, but before I close here, okay? Uh, the, the first is this, is that we need to learn how to ask ourselves where we're following after our selfish desires. We need to learn how to self-examine our, our own hearts. And that actually requires a time and space to reflect on your relationships and your schoolwork and your future and your money and your body and your food and your drink and your time 
Lord, show me where am I following after my own desires? Where am I just trying to get what I want now? We actually have to learn how to be self-aware about those things. And, and I'll just say this kind of by way of, uh, by way of an anecdote. You, you may be hearing this kind of thing and being tempted to think about how somebody else needs to hear this. I do this all the time. <laughs> When I get convicted, I quickly think of the other people who need to be convicted. But verses in 11 and 12 really warn against this. He says, don't judge your neighbor. You're not the judge. There's only one, and it's God. Jesus wants to deal with you. He wants to deal with you, okay? Um, the, the second thing is this, is the importance of cultivating friendships with other people who are also trying to submit their lives to Jesus. This is something that you, you hear me, if you know me, or if you've ever been to Aria, if you hear me talk about all the time, I think it's one of the most important things in the whole world. Okay? And it doesn't mean that you can't be friends with people who aren't Christians. Okay, don't hear me say that. It means that this, this reorienting of our lives away from our selfish desires is impossible on our own. This submitting every area of our life to God is impossible on our own. We need friends who can see us and encourage us and redirect us and point us and sometimes shove us and slap us in the face when we need it. We all need that. So I, I would encourage you to cultivate friendships. This, this is one of the reasons why we want you to come to small groups. This is one of the reasons why I'm so encouraged that so many of you have signed up for quads. It's because we just, we need people in this fight with us. This tooth and nail fight to flee from temptation and to follow Jesus. We really need each other, okay? The, the third part I, thing I want to say is this sort of uh, drawing near and mourning our sin is to build in the practice of confessing our sins. One of the things that we sort of get called out for here in the beginning of this chapter is this, that we don't get things because we don't ask, and if we do ask God, we ask wrongly just to get what we want. We, we tend not to have too much of a problem asking God for things that would make our lives more successful and comfortable. How much time are you spending? How much time am I spending blocking off prayer time to confess our sins? This, confessing my sin, it's, it's actually my favorite part of going to church. Because there's no other place in the world where a whole group of people stop and try to think of the ways that they've messed up and then openly admit it. That's insane. It doesn't happen anywhere but the church of Jesus. Are we building that kind of time into our own devotional and prayer life? And then the last thing is really just this. It's, it's starting and learning through these practices, through these friendships, through the drawing near of Jesus, which is prayer and worship and Bible reading, starting to believe that what James says about us is true, that no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, that God's grace is more. Because when we start to believe that about ourselves, and when we start to believe that about our brothers and sisters, we're actually freed and empowered to love. To love others and to even love ourselves in, the, in that right kind of love of ourselves that acknowledges who we are, a beloved child, a friend of God. You can love someone who's a friend of God. And that's you and that's me. I'll, I'll finish by saying this, that I, that I know there has been uh, weeping and mourning and gloom this semester. I know you're experiencing it uh, in all kinds of ways. But, uh, but I want you to know that uh, no matter how many your sins are, his grace, is, his grace is more. His mercy is more. He longs for you to draw near to him so that he can draw near to you to give you the delight and the peace of being his friend. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you have called us friends. We praise you that you delight to draw near to us when we draw near to you. Lord, that's too good. 
I pray that you would uh, humble us, that you would give us humble hearts that we might submit to your ways, that we might fight against temptation, that we might be the kind of humble people who love following you. Give us friends, give us community in the ways that we need to encourage us in that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.